0: Today we will chat about the difference between disinformation and misinformation in the autism world and why intent matters. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing
1: embracing Autism.
0: Autism. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're talking about a kind of sour subject.
1: Right. I was going to say it doesn't just impact the autism community. It's kind of more broad, but I mean, we see it in the, the autism community as well.
0: Yes. So right now, the buzzwords disinformation and misinformation are essentially everywhere. Like you're hearing it in everyday life for pretty much anything and everything. And we want to kind of just hone in on its application specifically in the world of autism. Just go over the differences or nuances between disinformation and misinformation, what we can do about it, how we can identify it, that sort of thing.
1: I think it's important that we definitely dispel the differences between the two so we and the rest of the community listening don't actively become an active participant.
0: And I think the key word there is actively because I don't think there's anything wrong with passively spreading misinformation because passive just means you didn't really know any better. You're not doing it in any sort of intentional way.
1: Right. I agree because I mean, even I think when we first got our diagnosis with our oldest one, They were still doing research to find out, okay, what is the genetics uh, behind kind of the family with autism screening, essentially? Oh,
0: they're still doing that research. Right. And that's what (laughs) I'm
1: saying. Like, it's still, I mean, the the science is still out there. So to basically say like, oh, no, no, I, I know the science is this versus that. I mean, since the science is still kind of up in the air, we don't know 100%. We know what is said currently today about the science, but I mean, it can change tomorrow, five weeks from now, whatever.
0: If you go online and you go in any of these autism communities, any of these Facebook groups, social media groups, or anything like that, you will quickly notice that there's a lot of infighting going on, and it's a lot of people correcting each other and telling each other what's the proper information, what's the correct way of saying something, what's considered inaccurate versus accurate. There's like a constant raging battle of a bunch of people basically trying to convince the other side towards their own side.
1: Sounds just like politics.
0: Exactly. That, that's <laughs> That's why when I opened it, I was basically like, well, it's... The
1: politics of autism? Yeah,
0: it's pretty much what is going on in our politics world too. But it's kind of spilled into the world of autism and honestly into like every facet of life nowadays. But it's important to put our finger on the pulse here and talk about it a little bit because everybody on this planet at some point in time will fall into the trap of misinformation. Every single person. Because I can guarantee you there's not a single human being on this planet who knows everything everybody at some point has been misinformed about something.
1: Right. And then, I mean, you also tie in opinions because we all know opinions are like noses. Everyone has one. So you factor that in behind the scenes of other initiatives someone else wants to push and it's just a hot mess of everything spewing into a hot mess of everything.
0: (laughs) I think before we keep going, it's probably important that we define misinformation and disinformation. Definition, basically, we just did a quick Google search just to get whatever today's most modern definition is. And it basically breaks into misinformation is essentially false or inaccurate information. And disinformation is intentionally misrepresenting information or giving false information, essentially with a malicious intent or just an intent to purposefully give false information. I think
1: uh, also the the word of the comes to mind when we talk about disinformation is kind of deception because you're trying to put a narrative out there for your own advantage or end. So if I were to basically say like everyone who eats Lay's potato chips will lose five pounds and I suddenly happen to have stock in whatever Lay's or whatever Lay's <laughs> yeah, potato I chips falls, I don't know. <laughs> but then I'm trying to push information for my own gain because I want to make more money and trick people into purchasing like, chips. For like
0: example. Nazi propaganda.
1: Right. And I mean, and actually if you do Google, Google disinformation, it comes up as far as propaganda. You're pushing a narrative to benefit some in that benefits you more more or less. So, I mean, I feel that, I mean, neither is good. Neither disinformation or misinformation is necessarily a good thing, but I feel like the misinformation is more so just a error. It's not malice in nature. It's just a, oh, okay, I didn't understand that this is incorrect. You don't assign intent or necessarily like blame because it's kind of like, oh, you didn't know what you didn't know necessarily. That's kind of how I perceive misinformation. Misinformation versus disinformation.
0: So misinformation, it's kind of like innocent. You didn't mean to. It's kind of like, oh, you didn't know any better disinformation is, you know, and you did it anyway. That's basically the key difference. And I think that it's important to address because a lot of times you'll have a lot of advocates out there like us who have the best of intentions. And sometimes we get things wrong. What makes the big difference is are people like us getting things wrong intentionally? Are we trying to purposefully mislead, for example, our audience or our listeners or our followers? Or is it that we just didn't know, we didn't have all the information at the time, we got some information that sounded good, and we went with that, that sort of thing. We want to make sure that in the autism community, I honestly feel like because there's so much of this infighting. I think what we've lost is that ability to attentively listen to each other, even if we disagree. One of the things that I've noticed is that assigning of intent on people where we're kind of projecting what we think that they're saying or what we think they believe before actually getting to know them or asking them, like, is this what you mean? Where is it that you're getting your information from? Can you give me your references? If that person had read some literature, and let's say maybe it wasn't peer-reviewed, but they didn't know because it was published in like a scientific journal, and they go around telling people about this information about research that's up and coming in the world of autism, I don't really necessarily dock them points because they didn't know it it wasn't peer-reviewed. They might not even know what peer-reviewed means. We have to kind of give people more leniency and understand the intent behind it. Was the intent good? Was the intent bad? it's
1: also critical that regardless of what your walk of life is, you have a great deal of what happens to you. What I mean by that is if you go looking for misinformation, disinformation, you're going to find it because you're so focused on pinpointing exactly what you're looking for, that you're almost going out of your way and ignoring everything else on, I'll say spectrum, (laughs) Um, everything else in the world just to try and pinpoint and say, oh, this person is trying to be dishonest for whatever gain that they're trying to take. And I think that if we're going into the world trying to basically find all the negative things that people are trying to throw at you, you're going to find it. But then again, what type of world is that if you're only looking for the negative in life?
0: there's a couple of ways that you can identify misinformation or disinformation. With misinformation, that tends to be the one that we run into more often than not. A lot of times people would make the accusation of disinformation when actually it's misinformation. Because again, disinformation means there was intent to mislead or intent to harm essentially. So a lot of times if you say something that's inaccurate, people will be like, oh, this is disinformation. But really what they mean to say is misinformation and they're trying to make it seem worse than it actually is. Sure. That's kind of like a pet peeve of well, mine because you
1: think about it okay in previous episodes we've mentioned oh in this case study we read scientists were able to determine i'm thinking of kind of like a harvard study where they were doing i think i can't remember was it this. the smell one i think it might have been the smell or one of the other ones that we mentioned and it's like okay that was a specific experiment that was tested everyone's going to know that there's going to be future experiments it might have different results it might shift and be completely opposite of what the first experiment you have to be able to recreate obviously the experiment so it might shift one way it might shift the other way but at the time it's the best information available to us so i mean because this is a ongoing topic of research it's never going to be oh set in stone oh this is what it is right. it's always going to be okay this is a new study that was just done and that's what it is we're reading the results as it's actually happening so
0: it's true we could <laughs> we could talk about something today and then 10 episodes from now something came out to basically say oh Oh, new research has come out. That's no longer true because science always changes. So, you know, you wouldn't think that, right? Science always changes, but it's kind of <laughs> but that's, true. But that's the
1: point though. But I mean, science is evolving and trying to find better process and more experiments. And I mean, you're, I mean, diving deeper into the research to try and find the best explanation for anything.
0: And I think I've mentioned Probably season one. I am kind of like a researcher by trade, and that's something that I've always been really passionate about. Whenever we're looking into things, we are kind of just double checking these things. Is it from a reputable source? Is it peer reviewed? Things like that. How recent were these studies done? This is something that we actually do look into just because we try to avoid misinformation or disinformation. Okay, so what can I do to make sure that I'm getting good information and it's not misinformation? It's not disinformation. And one of those things is making sure that the information that you're finding comes from a primary source. So obviously that means not some sort of meme on Facebook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, they're great, but usually not the best source of information. Right. Right. (laughs) Another red flag is if you see something that sounds or looks too good to be true. Like if somebody posts something about, there's this cure for autism. It cured my child. They just did this regimen of these vitamins and these herbs and now they're cured. That's like a big red flag. If there was a cure, quote unquote cure to autism, there wouldn't be all these scientists funding so many billions of dollars of research into it every year. So I I just stay away from that sort of thing and lean more towards things that do have that scientific method behind it, essentially.
1: And then you always mentioned one, but it's basically making sure that the company that is coming out with the product is also not necessarily funding the research because they have the bias Mm -hmm. intent behind, oh, okay, we want our product to be amazing and spectacular. So therefore, we're going to kind of position the information, even if it's not necessarily lying about the information, we're going to position it in such a way and display it so it looks potentially better or more enticing than it actually is.
0: Right. So that's one of the first things that you learn when you are going into kind of like a research field is when you're reading literature, when you're reading any sort of article that's talking about some sort of studies that have been done on autism, etc., you are learning to look at all the pieces to it. And some of it is, again, that it's peer-reviewed, which means it has to go through a process of a bunch of other people who are experts in the field reviewing it and making sure that they kind of greenlight it rather than just publishing it willy-nilly. And then the other thing is looking for any sort of biases. And those biases can be like, okay, who funded this research? If Coca-Cola funded a research about sugar, There's probably some sort of.
1: Loss or something?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like there's probably some sort of red flag there that maybe if the study comes out saying sugar is good for you and Coca Cola funded it, maybe it's something we need to look into in terms of a potential bias.
1: Right. So, I mean, I think having each of those elements kind of in the back of your mind as you're reading various articles can definitely lead you in the right direction where you're able to kind of put more value on some articles versus kind of the new gossip around the block.
0: And the other thing to look for is whenever you see these kind of like fear triggers, I feel like that's something that is used a lot as a technique when it comes to sharing out misinformation or disinformation. This one is more for disinformation. A fear trigger is essentially when people post things that seem scary to get you to kind of perform a specific action or take on a a position or a belief. So for example, one of those is the vaccine argument. Vaccines cause autism. This is a pretty common fear trigger that has actually been scientifically disproven. There's been a lot of research out there that has shown time and time again, that vaccines do not, in fact, cause autism. It was based off of a study that was essentially debunked because it was not done properly. So this is something that again, a quick Google search you could just type in vaccines cause autism debunked, something like that. And you will see that there is the scientific reason behind why that is not considered an actual correlation. That's another thing to kind of discuss is like if you see something and it's something that seems really scary or really frightening, granted, sometimes it might be true. But a lot of times that's also a technique that's used to try to scare people into doing something or get some sort of behavior out of you, whether that's sharing it, liking it, buying a certain product to quote unquote combat whatever it is they're saying. Usually scare tactics are not coming from a good place and it's usually disinformation related.
1: And I was saying that's not just specific to autism by any means. You see that kind of, I mean, throughout the decades for all sorts of things. I mean, it's just something to, of course, keep in the back of your mind for making the best decision for you and your family so you're not emotionally locked into a path that you feel like you have no way to escape because you're basically doubling down on whatever it is to kind of hopefully hope that that gets you to the next step and you'll be fine after that.
0: So a lot of times we will get this question of, how do I know that the information I'm getting is accurate and it's not part of some sort of misinformation or disinformation campaign? There's a couple different responses to that kind of depending how you're running into that information. I would say personally, if you're seeing this stuff online on Facebook, and that's how you're doing it, then I would honestly say when it comes to social media, I would just default to assuming everything is not true. And then doing your own research behind the scenes, because social media tends to spread things that Again, gain clicks, gain shares, gain likes. The whole point of social media is to become viral. It's like to make things spread as fast as possible because everybody wants to get those clicks, likes, and shares. So you're not going to see boring information on there. You're not gonna see things that are factually accurate but not thrilling or scary. You're only really going to see those things that scare you or make you feel uncomfortable or maybe excite you, but you're not going to see things that are just middle of the road. Oh, yeah, vaccines don't cause autism. That's probably not something viral that's being shared.
1: And what I'm seeing a lot in the dads group is kind of anecdotal evidence, essentially, of a dad will say, hey, my three-year-old nonverbal child is struggling with trying to work with building three-word sentences. Does anyone have any advice for anything that can help? So basically, I find those is kind of like an outreach to the community. So I I jump in and tell kind of my story, oh, this is what I had done with my youngest daughter when she was struggling kind of going through speech therapy and all that. I mean, it worked in our case. She's been able to pick up three-word sentences. We still have to prompt her, but it's kind of a a helpful hint in our situation. It might not work in his situation, but it's kind of a, we're giving advice essentially for what helped us. It might help you too it's not 100% going to help you but just kind of something to try in the meantime until you find another method or something else that works
0: right and for that example i would not consider that neither misinformation nor disinformation because misinformation it's not necessarily just because it doesn't work for somebody else doesn't mean it didn't work for you and again you did mention it's anecdotal which it's not enough to suffice as evidence but if it helped you it could help someone else and in this world where there's not a whole lot to help other parents out when it comes to autism any little bit helps. So it's kind of like if you have a headache and you don't have Tylenol, but somebody says, "Well, for me, an ice pack really helps if you just put it on your head." There might not be scientific evidence saying, "Oh, ice packs help with headaches." Honestly, maybe it probably makes it worse. <laughs> Let's try it. Let's <laughs> but try if your friend says that it works for them and you don't have Tylenol, then what do you have to lose then right. to try the and ice pack? And that's what
1: I've noticed in most of the dads groups. It's, I mean, kind of people throwing different things to try and help each other, which I appreciate. But of course, there could be the off chance that someone is trying to give wrong information for whatever reason.
0: (laughs) That would be a perfect scenario where you get kind of a naysayer coming in and saying, Oh, you guys are spreading disinformation or you're spreading misinformation. This is horrible. Da 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 da. And that's where I kind of get a little frustrated because it's a community coming together to try to help each other out with the very few limited resources that we have. In the autism community, we really don't have a lot. And relying on each other as a network of support, as a community, is one of the biggest strengths that we have. So when people try to come in and tear that apart because You may not be doing it perfectly. I feel like it's equivalent to taking away a crutch on somebody who's wearing a cast because the crutch is not the best of its kind. It's not a steel one. It's a wooden one.
1: Right. And I like to kind of believe that, I mean, even though we do encounter people who are negative and like to be pessimistic and focus on negative aspects of life, I like to believe that most people want to do good. And if they see someone struggling, they want to help. So they might offer whatever advice they've heard. It might not necessarily be perfect to up to standards with current science that's being researched right now. But I mean, I like to believe that most people are trying to do good.
0: I always am a firm believer of assuming good intent instead of ill intent. I also think it's important to make sure that when you are having these conversations with people, let's say that you did find out somebody was spreading more likely than not misinformation because again, disinformation is intentional for bad reasons. Most people aren't doing that. Let's say that they're spreading misinformation, where maybe we said something on an episode that wasn't quite accurate, for example. I feel like the best way to approach that sort of scenario is go to the person, you know, respectfully and say, hey, I think that you got a couple of these things wrong. I'd be happy to help you out or show you or direct you to the more accurate information. If you need help, like issuing a correction, I'd be happy to help you with that. I think that's the right way to go rather than just saying, oh, you know, you're a terrible person, X, Y, and Z.
1: Right. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm dyslexic. So, I mean, if I had to read off a study, I mean, there is a chance that I read the numbers backwards. So, <laughs> instead of 53%, it could have been 35%. I mean, we're human. We make mistakes. We're trying to do good and trying to help people out. But mistakes happen. I mean, if we misquote something or read a number wrong or something, we're, we're trying to help. But I mean, also, we're human.
0: <laughs> and I feel like that goes for the general population. Like, parents of autistic children, more often than not, they are probably neurodiverse themselves. There's a very high likelihood that if you have an autistic child, and watch, I'm going to get dinged on misinformation, (laughs) (laughs) but if you have an autistic child, more than likely, you probably have some sort of neurodiversity yourself. Matt and I, we do, and other people who I know who have autistic children, they have also been diagnosed with some sort of neurodiversity trait themselves, and because of that, that means more than likely, when you are talking to parents of autistic children, they more than likely struggle with things like processing, understanding what you're saying, speech and auditory disorders, all sorts of learning disabilities. So you can't just assume that they should know better or that they should understand you right away. For me personally, processing is one of my disabilities. I have to have things explained a certain way and written It's not like a lot of us do this intentionally of misstating, misspeaking, or anything like that. Like, that's how we understood and interpreted the information we had. So issuing corrections is not a problem, but I feel like people need to give more grace to each other, especially in the disability community.
1: And if you've spent any time on this podcast, you realize that I'm not great at speaking because... I think the best way to describe it is when I start a sentence, I have like six different items in my head, and they all basically say the same thing. So sometimes I'll start on track A, and then I'll jump to track C. So it's like a huge mess of just junk. But it, I mean, it all says the same stuff. But It's, it's like-
0: okay. I edit it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but it's like, I mean, I, I speak fast. Sometimes I have crazy sentences that don't necessarily work. Sure. Okay. I probably said a few things wrong. I mean, I'll admit that.
0: <laughs> Honestly, you guys don't know how much editing I do oh on these episodes. Gosh. If you think what we're saying right now sounds funny just, I'm not going to say just wait, because you're not going to get the raw footage. (laughs) It's too embarrassing. Our raw footage is hilarious, because we, you can so tell we have learning disabilities. It's all over the place, the way we talk and try to form our thoughts and get things to make sense. But again, that's one of these things that people don't think about when they're talking to other people. Like we have to have more empathy and understanding that, hey, the other person might have a disability, they might have difficulty processing, they might have difficulty speaking their thoughts. And I know for me, that's specifically something I struggle with. I have to kind of pre script what i'm gonna say
1: see i have the opposite problem i have multiple scripts it's just picking one and sticking with it
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so we know what misinformation is we know what disinformation is we know that it's everywhere and that we're bound to run into it and we are bound to fall into that trap ourselves at some point in time Now the question is, what can we do about it? What can we do to try to reduce the chances of either spreading misinformation or disinformation or at least being able to identify it in the wild? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lovely.
0: So I think one of the things that you can do is if it's something that somebody is stating some sort of fact, for example, for the month of autism awareness or acceptance, we put on a daily fact. And a lot of these facts were things that one in 44 people are diagnosed with autism. If you see a claim like that, never take anything at face value, especially if you see it on Facebook or social media. Always, always, always question any sort of claim that you see and check it out. If it seems too good to be true, it might be. If it seems too scary to be true, it might be. So one of the first things I did is Google the fact is in fact one in forty four children diagnosed with autism.
1: And even that fact alone, that's changed over like the last like what year? Yeah. Because I mean, it, it used to be I think like
0: like one 50, in fifty five or sixty, like yeah. or it so, I mean, changes it, like every year. I was going to
1: say, I mean, it's been within like the last like few months, six months or so, it's changed again.
0: Exactly. So <laughs> in the future, me saying that is going to count as misinformation or disinformation <laughs> to somebody. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, this information changes all the time. So, that's why I'm a big person of, like, giving people grace. Like, that's something that I'm big on. Give people grace, never assume intent, and just assume the best of people rather than the worst of people.
1: Right. And I think what I was going to say is, basically, if you're looking up, like, an individual, like, study that's been done, try and find the most recent study that you can find. Because, like, if you're pulling a study from, like, 1982... guaranteed something has probably changed since then i mean
0: oh yeah on the golden uh, days of aba versus now oh there's gonna be a huge difference
1: like so i mean if you're pulling up a study that's i mean heck even five years old i would still try and find something at least of the current year or last year just to be in the ballpark and even so that might not even be enough even if you find something i mean like we just mentioned the statistic of the percentage diagnosed with autism Even if you went with last year's numbers, it's already been outdated. So, I mean, just try and stick with as close to the possible data as you can.
0: But even then, that's not foolproof because, for example, a lot of the studies that I brought up in this podcast, they have been really recent studies. And the downside of pulling stuff super recent is they're so recent that they still haven't had a chance to be proven as, you know, scientifically sound yet. They're starting up and coming research. So that in a couple years could be disproven. That's why I say give people grace and just do some Googling. Honestly, Google is like your best friend when it comes to this sort of thing. I use Google Scholar a lot because that'll pull up actual scientific articles and journals. Instead of just like random
1: like web pages or like any other company or something that has something else that they want to push or...
0: And always question who's publishing what you're reading. That's like looking into the bias, looking into the intent. Are they trying to sell you a product? Those sorts of things will give you indicators of whether or not they're pushing some sort of misinformation or potential disinformation. But for the most part, if you're looking at scientific articles, generally speaking, those are pretty good things to lean on.
1: And I'd say another thing we haven't even mentioned necessarily is also try and get information from the therapist. Like, I mean, if it's something mm-hmm. therapy related, I mean, physical therapist, occupational therapist, I mean, we leaned heavily on those people when we were, I mean, <laughs> we're still going through those therapies. I mean, if they mentioned something to us, that is a new technique that they're working on lean on them a little bit for guidance. And obviously you can do additional research outside of that, but that'll kind of get you, I think in the right direction.
0: And that is why we always try to make a point of adding a disclaimer of these are things our therapist said to us. These are things that worked for our children, but please always run things by your child's physician, your child's therapist, because every kid is different and what worked for our kid might not work for yours. Always make sure that if something sounds, if you're questionable or something that you may be interested in, but aren't sure, always run it by your doctor or your child's therapist first.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty sound.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So again, I, I really hope that that shed a little bit of light on what disinformation and misinformation is. At the end of the day, I think the important part is making sure that you're understanding and empathetic towards those people that you think may be spreading misinformation just because they might not even be aware. It's all about intent. And also make sure you're just checking off your own checkboxes by doing your own research and making sure that whatever you're reading is not just like a knee-jerk reaction of believing it instantly, but that you're kind of questioning everything as a default and trying to maybe Google it or something before you just dive into believing whatever you see essentially.
1: If you do come across someone who has said something that has outdated research, bring it to their attention. I mean, open up a dialogue of conversation with them and be like, hey, I think there was a study that came out that had X, Y, and Z. Like, have you seen this? I mean, don't just start throwing rocks at them. Most people hopefully would want to have a discussion and learn, oh, there has been an updated study that has new numbers or whatever.
0: Absolutely. And you know what, if you or anybody has any question about ours, please email us again, podcast at autismwitch.org. We are even open to having people as guests on our Embracing Autism IRL video spinoff. Like we love this sort of thing. We are very much knowledge hungry and growers. So I'm totally open to that sort of thing. Just keep that line of communication open. And again, that ties back into intent. Always assume positive intent. Good touch. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're going to end this episode and I will see you all next week. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. To recap, we noted the differences between misinformation and disinformation, with the key difference being intent to mislead. We also discussed how checking for bias, asking your child's therapist or physician, and identifying recent scientific literature will go a long way in helping you spot misinformation and disinformation. Lastly, we argued the importance of being willing to respectfully dialogue with those who unwittingly spread misinformation rather than assuming malicious intent. Tune in next week as we revisit ABA or Applied Behavioral Analysis and answer questions such as, what do autistic adults have to say about ABA? Is modern ABA still considered abusive? And is ABA my only option? This is Embracing Autism.